Continuing in our theme, resetting the marriage relationship as we're going through premarital counseling topics that uh, we have been taking couples through, potential couples that want to get married uh, throughout the years. And uh, tonight, we're going to continue. A lady went to her pastor because she wanted a divorce from her husband. And during the counseling, he asked her, do you have any grounds? And she said, yeah, three acres outside of town. <laughs> You've been there, preacher. No, he said, I mean, do you have a grudge? She thought a minute and said, no, we have a carport. Trying a different tactic, he said, No, like, does your husband beat you up? She said, No, I get up at six, an hour before him. <laughs> the preacher asked, he finally said, What I am asking is, do you have a case? And without missing a beat, she said, No, we have a John Deere. Finally, the preacher, the pastor was exasperated and he said, Ma'am, what I'm trying to ask you is this. Are you and your husband having any troubles? She said, Oh, yeah, preacher, we have a lot of troubles. Like what, said the preacher. She said, Well, the problem is my husband, he just can't communicate. <laughs> Tonight's topic is resetting communication. Poor communication in marriage can lead to frustration. It leads to issues and problems in our home. But the incredible, awesome, good news tonight, guys, is that God made man, woman, marriage, and the family. And he alone can help us. He wants to help us. He does a great work to, to help us in communication. He alone can help us to, effective, to be effective in communication so that we can have the joy he intends for our marriage. All efforts to save our marriage and family must depend on God's divine intervention through prayer and his word. But we must apply the incredible truths from the word of God. We need to apply those to our walk and to our marriage. Matthew 7.24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. In addition, we also need to be fully aware and recognize that when we deal with the area of communication, our marriages are the target of intense spiritual warfare. The enemy loves to get in there during the heat of, of the day and communication and being tired and uh, all the things that happen in our, in our home life and get in there and cause problems through communication. And he, he, the enemy wants to do this because marriage and family are at the core. They are the divine institution that God ordained. And the enemy does not want us to have good communication. He wants us to be in confusion. He wants frustration. He wants chaos and division in the home. And good intentions or superficial fixes are not good enough. We need more than just looking at good skills that we can pick up on the internet. Effective communication skills. We need more than things like a new house or extra money, which you know are nice things. But at the end of the day, we are still who we are. And we still have to interact with each other. That's why God put us into that relationship under the same roof. So that we would have to still deal with each other. We must commit ourselves to live out the biblical instructions and principles 
as part of our walk as believers and as a witness of Jesus Christ to this world. So, tonight we are going to look at what is communication? The importance of good communication in marriage. Principles. We're going to look at some principles from the Proverbs on communication. We're going to look at some Proverbs that deal with anger. And we're going to wrap it up by looking at inappropriate words, bad timing, and insensitivity to your spouse. So what is communication? What are we talking about when we talk about communication? In marital communication, a husband and wife exchange ideas. They exchange opinions and share feelings and thoughts. Communication is giving and receiving information and feelings in such a way that both a husband and a wife feel that they have been understood. Effective communication is a two-way street. It's sharing your heart. It's talking. But it's also having it received by the other person. It's a two-way street. In premarital counseling, I share with the potential couple that words are the lifeblood of communication. Communication is the lifeblood of the marriage relationship. And as a result, words are not just important, they are vital. In order to have a healthy marriage, and, uh, marriage relationship, communication has to be effective. Husband and a wife are both to pursue the goal of trying to understand each other. And also in a godly marriage relationship, a husband and a wife are, are to seek to conduct their interaction in a spiritually healthy and encouraging manner. Throughout our married life, there should be an awareness all the time that there has to be routine maintenance that goes on. And adjustments, because they are necessary. Here we are, 30 plus years of marriage, and we know for a fact that there are adjustments in, after all these years. This study has just ripped us individually. The Lord's just dealt with us uh, as we have put this together and we even had a little heart-to-heart -to, -heart to try and straighten out some areas that we need to do. And that's after all these years. And it'll always be that way until we go home with the Lord because we're human. We're flesh. And that's why we need to be in the Word of God. We need to, to just do it. We need to read it. We need to learn it. We need to do it because uh, none of us are perfect. And it's not an excuse to, to stay that way, but... We'll always have those adjustments. So this was good because we had to repent. But as as you do those adjustments, as you look to the Lord and and see what needs to be maintained in your marriage, the one thing I want to caution is not to limit the Lord by either past experience with your spouse or your own understanding because it's easy to get into that thought uh, but, but I know what you're like. You've always done this, or this is the way you are. And that may be true, but now you're limiting that God may be working in your spouse. And we have to let God work in us and in our spouse and not just peg, put them into, you know, a, a peg them into a certain way and that's it. That are always going to be that way. So just with that, we have to allow the Lord to work in both of us. But let's look at the importance of good communication in marriage. So good communication is extremely important because our marriage relationships are maintained and they're nourished by good communication. And on the flip side of that, marriage relationships are degraded, they're tainted, they're destroyed by bad communication. And God calls us to take very, very seriously our responsibility for what we say to each other and how we treat each other. 
and we probably have all blown it. If you haven't been married long enough, you will blow it. But we have to really watch what we say and how we say it to each other. God does instruct us to admonish each other when needed, but he also instructs us to build up and encourage and teach and most importantly, forgive and restore each other. That's, that's the goal we should have for dealing with each other, always restoration. And so this is accomplished through good communication. The words we speak are very important for our Christian walk and for good communication in our marriage. And we have to be careful because, you know, maybe some of us weren't raised with tact. But that doesn't mean that we don't learn that now as we're Christians and we have God's word as a guideline on how we speak to each other. We need to think before we talk and be careful with the words we choose. Jesus emphasize the importance of choosing our words when he said, but I say to you that every idle word man may speak, they'll give an account of it in the day of judgment. For your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. The Lord is in heaven, and we are on earth, and he sees all that we do, and he hears all that we say, and we have to be careful because he is very serious about how we speak to others as brothers and sisters, and especially how we speak to our spouse. So there are different ways to communicate. Communication is both verbal and nonverbal. Of course, we use words, but we can also communicate a lot by what we don't say. Nonverbal communication can transmit just as many different feelings and emotions as verbal. Silence is a form of communication. When one of us or both of us are upset and we don't speak all evening, we are sending a powerful negative message. And, you know, I admit to you, I'm sorry there were the times we've sat at dinner table, quiet, not a word, and our kids pick it up. They know, and it bothers them, and it hurts them because we're just quiet, we're silent, and they know something's going up with mom and dad. There's that vibe. So we have to be careful again. Some examples of nonverbal communication might be facial expressions. And facial expressions can communicate a lot. They can be receptive or withdrawn, attentive or indifferent, involved or uninvolved, preoccupied or distracted, unresponsive, and downright offensive. There can be eye contact or no eye contact. There's the rolling of the eyes, right? We've all seen that with each other or sometimes our kids. A smile or a sarcastic expression, a stare, or a glare, as in dagger eyes. And all these facial expressions will communicate volumes. Then there's body language, which can be positive or negative. You ever watch, like, after a political event, they have the uh, these uh, body anal language analysts come in and they start saying, you know, because the head was up or the head went down or the hand. It's really interesting to see what the body language can communicate because it does communicate volumes as well and, and it will be friendly or unfriendly. So we say a lot with just our body. Can you do that? Then there's sitting, facing each other or being close. Like here tonight, you can be sitting close together or at a distance. Uh, or at an angle away from each other. There's touching or avoiding touching. You ever have that? Avoid the feet in bed. You know, you avoid the touch. There's affection or unaffection. And then there's walking together or 10 feet in front of your spouse. There's actions. Our actions say a lot. Maybe being punctual or late when you have to meet your spouse or, you know, they're waiting and waiting and you're still getting ready. It shows your consideration for your spouse when you're punctual and on time. Or serving one another, thinking of your spouse as you think about yourself or just being self-absorbed, just me, myself, and I, just take care of me and not even give a thought that your spouse might be thirsty or hungry as you are. Or being the initiator of a conversation or activities or just being aloof off by yourself in the garage or on the TV doing your own thing and just separate from each other. Then there's appearance, keeping ourselves well-groomed or poorly, poorly groomed or being neat or sloppy will communicate whether we care or not care about our spouse being in the same room with them. And there are ways that we can communicate non-verbally. All of these are ways, and there's a whole lot more, but they do say volumes about what's going on inside of us. Mm -hmm. 
when we're in premarital counseling in this session, I, I like to ask the, the potential couple, I ask them, what are the battle flags that the person you're about to marry displays? When they, when, when, do you know that something's up with them? You know, and I'm, I do this because I want to see how, you know, how much do you, how well do you know this person? How long have you been around? Do you know when something's up with them? Um, and do, can they can they recognize that nonverbal communication? And nonverbal communication can be beneficial when wisdom is used to hold back and not react inappropriately in the heat of a moment. But we have to be careful that we do not display nonverbal communication as a mask for not dealing with the issues we know that we need to focus on with our spouse. Marital issues cannot be cleared up with nonverbal communication. Many times... You know, you just sweep those things under the carpet. And this will only give the enemy a foothold to mess with our thoughts and bitterness to sprout up and cause hardness of heart and distance between us. Many use the excuse for poor communication and say, you know, that's just the way I was raised. You know, no one talked to each other when I was growing up and in the home and stuff like that and all these excuses. And when I hear that, especially in premarital counseling, I say, okay, that may be true. But what, are you born again? Then you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are become new. You've got to go forward. You've got to grow in the Lord. Look who you have now as your, as your guidance in your home. And you don't have to stay back there anymore. And... and our Lord wants to take us way beyond what we've learned from our upbringing or our single life and what our social media platforms have have turned many into. Or where, you know, there's this, this real isolation in all the social media where it seems like, like, you know, I have 150 friends on my Facebook account. But do you go out with those people? Do you talk with them? You know, that's really not the case many times. And it's a false sense of, 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 of being, having friendships, but you're really isolated. And you've got to be careful with that, too. That one-on, you know, where there's that real one-on-one -on -one communication. And the Lord wants to take us way beyond all of that into a greater maturity with him and in our marriage relationship. You know, hopefully everyone doesn't sit in the house at dinner time and everybody's doing this, you know, and taking bites. You know, is there interaction as a husband and wife even, you know, and, and put the phone down, go for a walk, do something that doesn't require looking at the, at the phone or the tablet. It's hard. I forgot my phone the other day to come to work and I felt weird. It, you know, on it. I mean, I go, man, that's where we're at. You know? So when we're communicating with our spouse, the total message, the content, and emotions are transmitted by both verbal and nonverbal communication. Whether we speak or not, we're still communicating. Let's look at some principles from the Proverbs. So we're going to go through a bunch of Proverbs here. Uh, turn to Proverbs 10.19. Proverbs 10.19. Proverbs 10.19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. There are many of us who do more talking than thinking. But we must do more thinking before we talk. There are both men and women who just can't stop talking. We are not saying that you can't have conversations or, you know, you're, you can't have laughs, have fun, but, or have the freedom to talk. But we must be aware of how many words are coming forth from our mouth. And when it comes to being asked a question, can we answer the question directly? 
Or do we have to go all the way out this way in the answer to come back this way? You know, uh, sometimes it takes that to get to the point. But a lot of times, you know, and, and it's happened in our marriage, and I'm going, oh, my gosh. You know, give me the answer. You know, and I've gotten in trouble by asking that, you know. And you got to find that balance somewhere in there. And it happens. I do the same thing. You know, and my wife needs to get things done. And I'm trying to explain things. And you got to be careful of that. Just those rabbit trails. Notice the word here in Proverbs 10.19, restrains. It has the meaning of preserving or sparing. So the proverb tells us that the ability to preserve, spare, or hold back our words is evidence of wisdom. He who restrains his lips is wise. You know, having that right timing. Should I say this right now? You know, instead of just... You know, I get in a lot of trouble sometimes because I'm tired or I'm just feeling... And I'm just rattling off stuff. And next thing you know, I say something and all those words that... You know, just it makes things go south, and you got to be careful with that. We need to apply wisdom, James one nineteen, and be slow to speak and quick to listen. Only God, through His Holy Spirit and His wisdom, is able to tame our tongues. When there are many words coming out from our mouths, the odds of getting into trouble and sinning increases greatly. Harsh words can take place in the multitude of words. And we increase the odds of hurting each other's feelings. If we do not restrain our lips, many words can lead to careless answers. Romans 6.13 exhorts us to present our members as instruments of righteousness to God. We must constantly ask the Lord to help us evaluate our thoughts and words before we speak. And, and also ask him to help us guard and guide the words we say. Then we must yield our mouth to him as instruments of righteousness so that he can work in us and through us. Look at Proverbs twelve eighteen. Uh, back to the Proverbs. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. What we say affects each other and Again, I, I'm not sure if we truly are aware of how serious this is about what and how we say to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, but especially with our spouse. It, it has an effect on the person you're speaking to. And when we speak with unkind or inconsiderate or untrue words, it pierces our spouse's heart like a sword. It, it hurts and it cuts deeply and it leaves scars. And as God's redeemed people, we're not to use ugly words as weapons against each other or, or with anyone, especially as, as with our spouse, because our marriage is a representative of Christ and the church. And the church doesn't use ugly words towards Christ, and Christ certainly doesn't use ugly words towards the church. We should not be spewing out words that are piercing towards each other. When we use reckless, hurting words towards each other, there is a negative effect on ourselves and on our spouse. It's not just on our spouse, but on ourselves as well. Hurtful, negative words will eventually ruin a person who is constantly speaking them because what is really happening is that person is gratifying the evil that is sprouting up within them. And that's very important to catch, you guys, because... If you're that type that is used to saying things like that that are ugly and it continues and it, you're the, your soul is the one that gets ugly from that, you become a different person if that's how you condition yourself to be all the time. And it's not, it, it's ugly to be that kind of person. Jeremiah uh, seventeen nine we know, says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So hurtful words 
come from a heart that is giving into or gratifying the evil sprouting up within them. It's our sin nature within us. We all have an evil heart of flesh. And probably most of us at some time in our marriage have said hurtful words to our spouse in the flesh. We say that out of being in the flesh. But as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, we have a choice to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit and not say hurtful words or to give in to the power of the flesh and say those sharp, hurting, cutting, offensive words. And you know what? Honestly, no one wants to live with a person who is spewing forth ugly, hurtful, unkind, piercing words. And if we practice this, it will eventually defeat and destroy a marriage. You might stay together, but you won't have that fulfilling, joyful marriage that God intends for us as married couples. You know, we've all seen or heard couples arguing in public. I, I hear them a lot at Walmart. I don't know if it's Walmart or what, but I hear a lot of them at Walmart. And, and, and everything from an old bickering couple, that's all they're doing is bicker, bicker, bicker to the whole aisle. Sometimes I'll follow them. just. To, <laughs> and otherwise, <laughs> then there, there's the ones that are just downright cussing at each other. I mean, it, it, it's ugly and it's scary. And I, I can go to the other aisle then. But that can happen if we're not careful with the words we say. <laughs> are you I'm thinking saying, about something? <laughs> yeah, tell them about that couple that lived next door to us, remember? And, in the apartment there with a motorcycle that? yeah remember that uh-huh i mean we this guy used to yell at his girl my harley davidson comes first than you and i yeah. don't care what you think you know and just ugly uh, they were just living together this couple? yeah they were they weren't even a married couple but we used to hear that and just like man my we gosh. pray for this couple man and just but notice in that proverb we read uh, that the opposite of this hurtful tongue is the tongue of the wise and it promotes health. The tongue of the wise person promotes that spiritual health in us, ourselves, again, because it's protecting us from our own sinful nature by weakening the very thing that wants to destroy us, which is the evil that wants to sprout out from within. And the tongue of the wise will also promote the spiritual health in their spouse and their marriage because they're speaking affirming and encouraging words and they're, they're speaking words that are kind and gentle and affectionate. In the heat of a moment, our words cannot be ugly because if the person of wisdom will restrain their tongue and say nothing. There's going to be those heated moments, but our words, if we restrain them, as a person of wisdom, we won't give in to speaking those ugly, hurtful words. And having God's wisdom is the guiding principle here. God's wisdom consists of having discerning tact and asking the Lord how and when to speak to your spouse or to each other as brethren. Again, we need to ask the Lord, should I say this? Is this really necessary? Or how is this going to sound before we speak? The principle is if we don't have anything nice or edifying to say, then don't say anything at all. I know Thumper made that popular, but God said it first. You guys know who Thumper is, right? <laughs> Bambi. That was Gloria's Trilla name when she was <laughs> no, in the world. It's <laughs> <laughs> car Thumper. No. <laughs> no. Uh, turn to Proverbs 13.3. Proverbs 13.3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. This proverb is comparing the mouth and lips to the city gates. If we set a watch on the gate of our mouths, the city, which is our soul, our spiritual health, will be guided, guarded. But if it is unprotected, trouble will find its way in. We've all experienced this. Sometimes we say something the wrong way. And what happens? That downward spiral. Everything goes downhill from there. And if we both, if both of us are unaware of our, uh, of our flesh, things can get out of hand very quickly. Psalm 141.3 tells us, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. 
So both these passages here, Proverbs 13, 3, Psalm 141, 3, both these passages are great and necessary for good communication to preserve and avoid the destruction that can take place in our, in our home, in our marriage. Pray about these guys. Just read them and pray over them. Lord, help, them, help me to apply this to my walk, to my marriage, to my life. Show me, Lord, how to, how to walk stronger in these ways. Sometimes keeping certain thoughts to yourself is best if it's not important to your marriage and family. Some thoughts may offend your spouse or cause you to be misunderstood. Proverbs 21:23 says, "Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles." And we're all guilty of getting ourselves and our soul into trouble because we did not guard our mouth. We've opened it rashly and injured our spouse. And by doing so, we have dishonored the Lord in our actions. I Go ahead. I, I, this verse is that Gloria is going to share here. I mean, we share these in, in uh, premarital, and they're very important, I think, uh, in how we, when we share this with the couples. Proverbs 18, 14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? And then Proverbs eighteen nineteen says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. And we share these, as Henry said, with potential couples to caution them to go through marriage with the minimal times of offending each other. Because there are the times we're going to do that. It is, you know, we should try not to, and that may happen. But our prayer for these young couples is that it will be to a, a minimal. It won't be a marriage full of that. But maybe in their whole entire marriage life, they can count that on one hand. We want to keep that as small as possible. Because you want to avoid breaking the spirit of your spouse. And as a result, you build up bars that cause a distance between you. When, when we break each other's spirit, those bars begin to build and we be, start becoming distant. Instead of closer, we start going apart. And again, while a, a spouse's heart may forgive the other for those hurts and offenses, the head doesn't easily forget these offenses. And, and these are the scars of those cutting words. And that's what the, those two passages are saying is that a person can, can deal with sickness and, and get past that, but that offense is, is a stronger wound than even being sick. And you may forgive your spouse, which you're called to, but at least you don't want to, you want to limit it so that that, that my wife doesn't go through, or that husband doesn't go through those years of, of having that within them. Get what I'm saying? That, that, you know, that, that there isn't that, that that's built up. You know, it, 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 it's as much as they forgive and, and the Lord calls us to, and they might be spiritual. You, you want to limit that. That's going to still be there. The, the head doesn't as easily forget and the enemy wants to take that and use it as an opportunity to put a wedge between the two of you and just build up those bars and continue doing that. Because we have to remember, he wants to destroy marriage. We're a picture of Christ in the church. And if he can destroy marriages, he takes down a lot of people. And he destroys that picture of Christ in the church. So how do we prevent this from happening? If your spouse says something offensive or hurtful, we need to not retaliate or try to defend ourselves. Instead, instantly, and we have to pray and ask the Lord to help us guard our mouth. And, and I am here to tell you, it is not always easy. Because the hurt or the flesh, or whatever you want to call it, it wants to respond. You, you know, our self-preservation, which is part of our natural self, wants to defend yourself, protect yourself. But it's possible to not give in to that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And... We just need to trust and allow that the Holy Spirit will be our defender. And he will be the convictor of sin and hurtful words. If our spouse is doing something hurtful towards us, saying something, we, got, we have to, you guys. It's just, we have a choice. Which one are we going to give into? And we can trust the Lord to protect us and defend us and be the convictor of sin. 
And we can only do this as we walk closely with the Lord and yield to his spirit, especially in the heat of a moment when he is probably reminding us to guard our mouth. And it's a matter of obedience to God and his word and his Holy Spirit. And as we allow the Lord to be our defender and our protector and be the convictor of sin, and we guard our mouths, he will, he will protect us from getting ourselves, our soul, and our marriage into trouble. Because again, if we both start going at it, it, it can get real ugly real fast. Turn to Proverbs 15:28. Proverbs 15:28. It says the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Careful consideration before we speak, it's so important as part of a believer's character. Again, when there is wisdom, it weighs our, our words and studies how to answer before we open our mouth. The word studies there in Proverbs fifteen twenty eight, the, the heart of the righteous studies, that word has the idea of mental exercise or planning. Many of us have blown it with each other by reacting. You know, as soon as something, somebody says something, you just instantly react and say something back to the, your spouse or speaking from emotion when you, you get emotional right away and you, boom, you say something. Then considering first about what we're about to say. So for good communication, we need to practice careful consideration and pondering our answers, getting direction from the Lord. And again, like Gloria said a moment ago, the power of the Holy Spirit has to be guiding us. Pray for that. Lord, give, bring the power of your spirit into, our, into our, our communication here so that we can avoid reacting. Turn to Proverbs 18.2. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in, ex but in expressing his own heart. And then drop down to uh, verse 13 of Proverbs 18. He says, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. So when we are talking with each other, are you listening to what your spouse is saying? Or are you thinking about what you're going to say right, you know, what you want to say? Are you only thinking about the faults you want to point out in your spouse and not truly listening to what your, your spouse is trying to minister to you? Equally important for good communication in marriage is listening to our spouse's words. Sometimes we don't take the time to listen with the intention of truly understanding, trying to understand them. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, give me that discipline. Give me that focus to, to listen, to understand. At times we don't get the whole message in a single conversation. Sometimes we say things chopped up. So we let our actions, our words be influenced by what we think we just understood at the moment. And a spouse may not clearly say what they mean. And don't expect your spouse to know what you meant. Something else when you say something different. And you know what? In the midst of running around and being busy. Stop if you have to say something. Don't just run out into the garage saying something and you get half of it and you're going, what? And then, you know, you say what a wrong way. And then next thing you know, well, don't, why are you reacting? You know, here we go. You know what I mean? Stop and say, honey, can you take the trash out when you go out again? You know, whatever. So instead of saying it halfway and you hear trash, <laughs> What'd she call me? You know, it, it, it could get that way. You know, so you got to be careful. Stop and just say it. Take a moment to, you know, don't yell it from the other side of the house, especially if your hearing's starting to go out. Um, sometimes we don't take the time to listen with the intention of truly understanding. A spouse may not clearly say what they mean. In a moment of a discussion, we need to ask the Lord to help us understand. And then, when they do tell you something, 
calmly in the right way say, this is what I heard you say. Is that correct? You know? And try and get that clarification because if you're thinking, I mean, sometimes you just get it a whole, you get it all wrong. Instead of just blurting out that response to what we think our, our spouse just said. So it's important to first listen with the intention to try and understand what the other is trying to communicate before answering. Now let's look at a few Proverbs that deal with anger. Turn to Proverbs 14.29. Proverbs 14.29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Galatians 5 tells us that anger is a work of the flesh. This proverb tells us that a person who is impulsive, which means having a hasty, short temper, one who flies off the handle quickly. And what do they say that that person is? It says he's a fool. The word folly there in 1429 means silliness or foolishness. But the person who is slow to wrath has great understanding. Great understanding speaks of, of discretion, reason, wisdom. Too often, instead of being slow to wrath, we allow our flesh to find a quick way or a shortcut to wrath. We are quick-tempered and we display our folly or foolishness. I have this personal theory that those of us who drive in traffic every day... I think it affecting us to where we react quickly in anger. That's my own personal thing. You know, I think I wish I could write a book on driving the freeway because I think there's a lot of life lessons in there. But I think that's one of them. And we're, we're you, you know, we're tense. We're driving. We're angry. You're, you know, and you come home and don't take it out on your spouse. Don't let that type of attitude take hold in your home again it comes down to the power of the holy spirit only the person who will allow the spirit of god to control them so that they are not controlled by the flesh will be slow to wrath james 1 19 turn to proverbs 15 1 proverbs 15 1 says a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger a soft answer has the meaning of tender or delicate, and a harsh word has the meaning of hurtful or offensive. And especially in marriage, again, we've been saying this over and over, we need to be careful with the words we choose. And the words we choose, the words we use, can be like pouring water on fire or pouring gasoline on fire. And if we're not spirit-controlled, we will easily yield to those irritations. You know, and we will have those irritations because the flesh or the natural man or our evil heart is, is bent to feed those angry flames of flesh. It's, again, feeding our natural bent is to feed the evil sprouting up from within. Once one spouse behaves rudely, it's very easy in the flesh for the other spouse to respond rudely or harshly. And then again, that ugly downward spiral of flesh and hurtful words or just being unkind or bickering towards each other begins. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says to us, Love does not behave rudely and is not provoked. And if we're born again, then God's agape love, which is in our hearts, is to function in our hearts and in our walk with him. And that includes our words and our attitudes and our actions especially in response to a rude or an unkind remark. And we've all seen that at, you know, examples. I mean, we have our own personal examples, but, you know, you can be at the bank or at the market, and, you know, I've seen, you know, a, a teller or a cashier say something that kind of came off off the cuff, but then the customer just gets irate. And, and I mean, everybody in the store is looking because it's, it's ugly and and we can be guilty of that with each other. And our response to a rude or a, a cutting remark, how we respond is where the rubber meets the road of our Christianity. Again, our natural response would be to respond with the same rude attitude. 
but it takes discipline. It takes obedience. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes his word cleansing us daily not to respond harshly to someone who maybe was thoughtless in the way they spoke to you. And this is the supernatural response to not respond just like them. And this is what the Lord will honor as we respond in the spirit and not in the flesh. A soft answer is the only way to stop that potential ugly downward verbal spiral. And the best prevention to ugly words should be as a result of our walk with the Lord that we're careful not to provoke our spouse by a harsh word or a harsh an- or retaliate and a harsh answer, but instead have a good temperament towards each other. And if they come at you, you know, maybe they are tired. Maybe they were just driving in traffic when they got home, said something off the cuff. I can respond harshly, or I can respond with a soft answer, or maybe just not even answer at all, and let the Lord do the work there in our home instead of me. Turn to Proverbs twenty nine eleven. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, A fool vents all his feelings but a wise man holds them back. The word feelings there, a fool vents all his feelings that speaks of a man's inner emotions, his his inner disposition or temper. And, And it says a wise man holds them back. Again, there's much wisdom that's included in this. Let's look at a couple of Proverbs that deal with contention and strife. Turn to Proverbs 17, 14. Proverbs 17, 14 says, The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. The beginning of a quarrel is compared to a body of water like a dam. A dam restrains a lot of water. But if there's a small crack in it, boom, it's going to lead to an eventual flood, a widespread flood. So, so is the beginning of strife in marriage. It's that little crack. One provoking word. There's that little crack. And it brings on another. And what happens? The other person snaps. And the rupture happens. Harmony is broken. The flood of ugliness takes place. Sometimes the other one then has to have the last word. And it becomes never-ending. It's not worth it, guys. It's not worth that ugly outcome. We are better off just letting go. Too many arguments in marriage are over what is not important. Some things really don't matter. Especially when you look at eternity and you look in light of that. It's like, does it matter that I'm harping on this? Or trying to get her... Or him to change on this in light of eternity? Does it really matter? And that's where grace comes in. That's where our spiritual maturity, our our spiritual growth comes in. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, It's honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. And arguing about unimportant matters not only opens the floodgates of contention and it divides us, but it shows that really we're a fool and we're not wise. We're immature spiritually. The wise will be mature spiritually. We find a good rule for human relationships in Hebrews 12, 14, which says, Pursue peace with all people, and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Do you want to see the Lord eventually? Do you want to see the Lord in your marriage? Do you want to see him in your home, in the dealings with your children, and even in your dealings with others? Then pursue peace with all people and pursue holiness. This should be foundational in our dealings, again, with anyone, especially with our spouse. The consequences for not doing so, again, as Henry said, is far too costly to our marriage to give in to that strife. And ladies, well, we're talking about pursuing peace and holiness. I have to put these verses in because they really are important to our marriage. Would you turn to Proverbs 21.19, please? 
Some of you know this by heart. Proverbs 21.19 says, <laughs> It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Okay, Wilderness, way out there. Proverbs 25.24, and I like the way the King James uh, reads this. It's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house, okay? Big house, way in the corner than to be around her. And Proverbs 27.15, a continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. In other words, there is no end to the annoyance. Ladies, when we are, and, and I address the ladies because the Proverbs addresses the ladies. When we're contentious and angry and brawling, we are very annoying. Nobody wants to be around a contentious woman, as we just read, and especially our husbands and our children. You've all seen that bumper sticker or that sign, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? Sadly, it's true. It's very true. When we are not happy, we make our entire household unhappy. Being spirit-controlled and possessing God's wisdom will help us to be slow to speak, slow to wrath, and will keep us from becoming a contentious woman. And again, this can only happen as we spend that time with the Lord daily, asking for his Holy Spirit to be the convictor of sin in our hearts first. And then yielding to the obedience of his word and his spirit as we go throughout the day and as we deal with our husband and deal with our children and deal with the tellers and the cashiers. Ladies, may our attitude and our mouths not be the reason or the cause for our husbands to want to take the long way home or stay away completely by finding things to do on his own so he doesn't have to be around us. May we be the reason he can't wait to come home. Lastly, let's look at some Proverbs that deal with bad timing, inappropriate words, and insensitivity to our spouse. Turn to Proverbs 25.11. Proverbs 25.11. And it says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Say the right words at the right time. It's, it's vital and valuable. It takes being, having a prayerful attitude, being in communion with the Lord in your mind, in your heart, saying, Lord, is this the right time? We've kind of touched on that already. And it's just, but it's, an, it's really important when you're upset because you want to make sure that you give consideration to time, the person, what surroundings you're in. Are you around other people, the kids, family members? Walmart. Walmart. <laughs> yeah. A disagreement right before either of you is about to leave for the day is bad timing. Well, I want to get it out now. Be careful when those emotions are overflowing and your stomach's in a knot. And it will be difficult, a difficult day because you're dreading coming home and picking up where you left off. Having an argument in front of the family, like I mentioned, or in public, it's awkward for everyone. It's a bad witness. The Proverbs is not saying that we should not bring up the matter because we need to talk over things. We need to get things right. Don't let them fester. But it's telling us that the most effective means of bringing up a matter to our spouse's attention is a word fitly spoken. The right place, the right time, and the right words. Applying this proverb will cause our words to, to be something of great value, like gold and silver, it says. Makes a, it, make, it brings a lot of profit to our marriage. Turn to Proverbs 25.12. Proverbs 25.12, it says, Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. I, I really like this, this proverb. It says, Because no, no godly person enjoys an argument. And as Christians, we should be able to talk over the matters of our marriage without getting in the flesh. That's the goal, at least. 
Sometimes there are matters that must be hashed out. There's some things we got to get into and we have to deal with them. But notice the, the proverb says that it is a wise rebuker. That's so interesting. It's a wise rebuker. In other words, it is the way we address an issue that makes all the difference. Also notice it's an obedient ear. The flip side, in other words, on the other end of dealing with the issue is an ear that is open to receive what is being addressed. Willing to yield, as James says. I love the, new, the old King James says, easy to be entreated. Proverbs 27, 14, turn to that real quick. Proverbs 27, 14 says, He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. I like this one too, because I find humor in this, but you got to be careful. This is a verse warning that it's possible to be well-meaning, but to be viewed as obnoxious or impolite. The example is use of a loud voice that wakes up your spouse, a friend, who does not want to be disturbed early in the morning. You know, I, I, I've done things like that to Gloria and stick something in her nose or something, you know, and, you know, I get in trouble, you know. She, you can, she can get in the flesh really quick. <laughs> Gloria likes her sleep. <laughs> and so do I. Um, you used to tickle my feet. Yeah, I did. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As God's people, we must use tact, though, politeness with each other, especially as a husband and wife. Guys, do you kiss your wife before you leave in the morning? Or even if she's still in bed? I read a study that says that, that wives have a better day when a husband kisses them before they leave. Wives, do you bid him fair, you know, goodbye in the morning? Do you say goodbye? Do you say, you know, may the Lord be with you, you know, when they leave the home? Or are you running, I got to use the restroom, bye. <laughs> That means a lot to a husband, too. You're at the door and you give him the, the sign of the cross. <laughs> the blessing, you know. <laughs> Send him off. But it's a good way to start off the day is the point. Look at Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19 says, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. This verse compares a crazy person to someone who lacks control over his actions. The person, it's also talking about a person who excuses his thoughtless remarks. Is, I was just joking, man. I was just kidding. Don't, don't be so serious. And you got to be careful because when there's insinuations or teasing, it can fuel a situation to a point of ruining the day. Allowing the enemy to damage our time together as husband and wife. And it, it's actually dishonest or deceiving to pretend that you did, when you did say, truly said something that's off the wall, that you, you use the excuse that it was a joke. Be honest and say, I'm sorry. I blew it here. Forgive me. And again, it's, it's fun to joke around with each other. We do it all the time. We, we do it all the time and... Uh, but you have to be careful, not being insensitive to your spouse. Even joking around too much with somebody else's spouse, you got to be careful. Because your spouse may not like it. And they may not say anything, but in time they will come to resent it because you're having more fun with someone else. Be careful. So we have to be careful and considerate to the sensitivities of our spouse. Look at Proverbs 9. Proverbs 9, the, the second half of verse 8, and then into verse 9 reads, Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Question, guys, are we teachable? Is there a willingness to see our own error and admit it and ask for forgiveness and then change the error? Or do we respond with anger and pride and won't receive or listen to reproof or correction when our spouse ha 
has to address something. The person who is teachable displays God's wisdom. A teachable spirit is evidence of the born-again life, and it's evidence of maturity in Christ. We are mature enough to listen. And even if all you say is, I will take that to the Lord, I will pray about that, rather than arguing and defending out of pride and anger. Is it easy? No, because our flesh doesn't like correction. But it's beneficial. A teachable spirit will increase in learning and in character and in your marriage, it'll, it'll bless it, and you will be wiser for it. James 3.17, as Henry was mentioning, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, or easy to be entreated. And again, it's God's wisdom. It's maturity in Christ. Proverbs 10.17 says, He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Our behavior or response to reproof and correction will, again, show where our maturity is in our walk with the Lord. You think, you think of a, a little child, like my grandson, he's two and a half, and it, he's learning. And we're always having to teach him what is not appropriate. But it's hard for them to learn because they don't know any different. They're, they're immature. They're little kids. And you have to teach them. But do we respond like that to our spouse? Or are we mature in Christ? As mature believers or as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, we have to follow the path of God's wisdom, which is a heart and a spirit that is teachable, willing to yield or change, and as a result, grow in our walk with him and benefit and bless our marriage. And last, let's look at Proverbs 4, 23 and 24. It all boils down to this, you guys. Proverbs 4, 23 and 24. Keep your heart with all diligence. That's where it comes down to. For out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you, uh, far from you, uh, a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips from you. It comes down to the heart. To keep our heart requires constant care and watchfulness because there is a subtle attack on our hearts from the enemy. As we said in the beginning here. There's a subtle attack from the enemy. You also have the world and you have our own flesh. Notice the verse says, keep your heart. That indicates that there's, there's a cooperation with the Lord. We have a responsibility to meet him and allow him to change us. Keep your heart. That vital part of our body. When you think about the heart, it usually, if you wound the heart, it usually brings death instantly. And the same can happen spiritually if we don't keep our heart. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, only take heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. Our Lord said to us in Matthew 15:19 and 20, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. And these are the potential. These are the tendencies that are in each and every one of us if we do not guard our hearts. If we do not become that new creation in Christ that the Lord began in when we gave our lives to him. Jesus also said in Matthew 12, 12, in Matthew 12, 34 and 25, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. We have to guard and protect our hearts at all times. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The efforts that we put into walking closely with our Lord is what he uses for our growth. Putting all these proverbs into practice will prove to be very valuable for good communication or marriage. We have to begin by prayer, surrender, thinking about what and how and where to say things to our spouse and asking, bringing the Lord into all these situations that happen daily in our lives. 
And the motivation to use or not use clear biblical communication comes from the core of where we are in our personal walk with the Lord. It all comes down to that. If we're carnal, if we're mainly self-absorbed, if we're self-serving, we're going to give our priorities to seeking our own personal satisfaction. And we will not respond or communicate to our spouse appropriately. We have to continue to purge out the old sinful self and become more Christ-like. That's what it boils down to. has to be obedience to the Lord. There has to be a love for our marriage and a willingness to adopt godly behaviors which will put our spouse's interest ahead of our own. That's crazy, but the Lord can do that. He does it. Proverbs 1, seven: the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So may we truly, truly take the biblical lessons that we receive for our marriage to a greater and, and have an intense godly level in our marriages with these, with these types of uh, scriptures and what the Lord shows us here. And may we truly commit ourselves to live biblical instruction in the midst of the issues that we go through, that all of us have to go through, that we, we're part of this crazy world. But may we apply those biblical instructions in the midst of all of that. I believe that if we allow our Lord to deal with us at the root issues addressed this year and all the subjects, the topics that we've been going through, then there will be victory in our marriages. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us such a wealth of instruction, Lord, for each and every one of our marriages, Lord. Help us, Lord, to abide. Help us to apply. Help us to surrender. Help us to be humble. Help us to see our spouse in a greater, Lord, than ourselves, Lord. And help us to serve one another in these ways. Guard our lips, Lord. Give us this better communication than ever before by the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you. We praise you. And I pray that every marriage now would go in and just be built up in you, including mine. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.